0: Because this uh, might be the, the inner chronicle of what we are and we have to articulate ourselves, otherwise we would be cows in the field.
1: find that the... I can never quite say Do you want it, so, me to do it? No, we're gonna do In Media Res, basically. Okay. And I'm gonna say welcome to Cows in the Field. This is a movie podcast. Uh, my name is Justin. I'm Laura. And today we're talking about two 1996 movies that star famous NBA players, Michael Jordan and Shaquille O'Neal. Respectively these movies are Space Jam and Kazam.
2: When the world's greatest athlete Michael Jordan teams up with the world's best-loved cartoon character, Bugs Bunny, you won't believe your eyes.
0: Pardon me, Mr. Jordan, can I have your audio, your John Hancock? What's going on here? We need your help!
2: You heard of the dream team, well, we're the mean team. In a deserted building lives a 5,000-year-old genie. He served some of history's most notorious tyrants. Today, he's about to meet his match. 14-year-old Max Connor. And together, they're about to fall into something big. Mm-hmm.
1: Um all right. So today our guest uh is Vishal Dave, second time guest uh on the show. Uh he was previously on what sorry, I blanked on the episode you are out right with children, children of men. Of men. Jesus.
3: Children Let me children try that again.
1: Yeah, of course, Vishal was on Children of Men. And um Vishal is a good friend of mine from college as you remember from the children men episode and um the reason we wanted to bring vishal on is he's a longtime basketball fan in particular warriors fan and vishal you're the person who introduced me to basketball so this is like a very important sort of i don't know reconvergence of this um i don't know if you remember this vishal but it was during the the 2007 playoff run for the warriors and before literally before that i knew i you know i watched basketball, but I didn't follow it. And you were like, hey, you know, why don't you come? The Warriors are on this kind of epic run right now. Like, they yeah, have a yeah. chance to beat the Mavs. And why don't you come and watch some of the games with me at the bar? And so I was like, yeah, okay. And it was fun. We we went to, yeah. I forget which bar it was in Davis, but we, we went to a couple. I mean, I remember they were putting it on the big screen at the bar. And yeah. we went with a bunch of Warriors fans and it was really joyous.
3: It was the graduate, right? It was the graduate was, Davis, yeah, right?
1: Yeah. We, we watched that. Yeah. That was the We Believe run. I
3: mean, that's like
1: iconic Warrior season. It was yeah. unbelievable. And which team did they beat? They beat the Dallas Mavericks All right. Laura, oh. <laughs> Laura's team. That won sixty games that year. <laughs> and, and and they beat them as an eight seed, one of the
3: few times yep. in NBA history that an eight seed has beat a one seed. Amazing. So,
1: Such an upset. And Dirk won the MVP that year, right? I mean, it was yeah. just embarrassing for the Mavericks. Is
4: that like the only time <laughs> I'm not that upset about it, Justin.
1: <laughs> I, I just like to, to rub like, it in.
4: I, like, I barely follow followed basketball before I met you. Like, yeah. I really only paid attention in 2006 when they were against the, were playing against the Heat.
1: Right. The year before. Right. That yes. That was the year before. Of and you know, course. And
4: it, then I went to college and, and stopped paying
1: attention. Yeah. And I wasn't paying attention until Vishal. It was like, I mean, one of the things you did with Vishal that was so, this was really important for me because- you explained what was happening. That was so crucial because I, before I just watched basketball and I was like, as any sort of non-fan, you see people dunking the ball and it looks really easy and you wonder like, you know, I don't know, is this is this really a sport? Like, it just seems kind of, it looks really lopsided a lot of the times. And you were like not pointing out positional advantages and plays and strategies and how this guy matches up with that guy and why the coach... You know, has why like you you pointed out that the the Mavs were really good that year, but they had always seemed to get beaten by the Warriors for some reason. Yeah. Like the Warriors had yeah. their number, and it yeah. was you introduced me to the storyline of it, and I got really into that, and I I really did so look back.
4: So you're Vishal modeled for you what you try to do for me now. Whenever I watch basketball yeah. with you, but I'm like not that receptive to it, and I'm usually on my phone.
1: No, so much of what <laughs> I know now is from Vishal. <laughs> oh,
4: that's lovely. Yeah
3: this is this is a super it's super interesting cuz the two, you might you and gaby my, my wife right might be the two people that I've I've sort of brought along to you know basketball with me that you know maybe weren't initially inclined to to like basketball and um I was thinking about this because I was um like I had to come up with these like principles we did this like silly exercise at work where you had to like come up with principles for your life in like the fewest words possible like you couldn't do it in more than 3 words and it was, you know, it's like one of these things, like on a Friday that I had to like fill out quickly before before something happened. And and actually, my principles came from my my uh, my grade school basketball coach, <laughs> who when when I first started playing basketball, he told me I was we were doing some sort of drill, you know, where we had to like pass the ball twice and then you know someone take a shot. And um, I was just like running all over the place, right? Just like was so excited to be playing basketball, just running all over the place. And my coach called me over and said said, Vishal, I just, you know what, like spending, I love the energy, I love the enthusiasm, but I need you to move with purpose, like move with purpose, right? Mm-hmm. Don't just run everywhere, but like move with purpose. And like, that's always like stuck with me in a little while. And for whatever reason, I was feeling out this like silly, like, what are your principles in life? I'm like, yeah, you know, what? like what coach John said, move with purpose, right? And sort <laughs> of go through that. But it's a little bit of like what I think the tactical aspect of basketball is, right? Is like moving with purpose, right? And how you move and how you position um, is super interesting. That's super interesting to me. It's always something that's like always been super interesting. It's clearly interesting to you, Justin. I think you, you seem to take a little bit about sort of a pick and roll is not just a pick and roll. There are like 17 options for how to run a pick and roll and yeah. where, you know, where, where you do it. Um, I think I took that same tack with Gaby and she just never wanted to watch basketball with me. She's just, it's like, you're insufferable. Like, I just can't, <laughs> I can't hang out with you this way. Right? Um, but when I would tell her that like Andres Budrens didn't speak English, or if I would tell her that, you know, uh, Draymond Green has just a horrible temper but he's just yeah. so into like that temper is also what fuels him like when I gave her like the human element mm. like that all of a sudden became like a compelling narrative and now Gabby's just just huge Warriors fan. right? I mean like her like amount of basketball knowledge both on the, the technical level in addition to the just sort of the personalities and you know I think they're all celebrities and there's you know she knows what you know she, she I think she knows as much about what someone's pregame outfit looks like. As much as, you know, sort of like what a technical foul is or, yeah. you know, yeah. what uh, what slipping the pick might be or something like that, right? So it's sort of a really weird <laughs> way to come come at it, right? But she was just like, I just needed to tell her that Draymond was a hothead, but that, you know, his temper was also part of his game, right? And she just had to, like, come through it. So dif- different ways to come to it. But it's uh, I-, I think that's what I like about basketball. It's got both, right? It's, it's got, got both. Totally. And that's I'm something that...
1: Yeah, I think that's something yeah. we should get into in this in this episode, because so that's something Laura and I yeah. talked a little bit about, and we've talked about, Vishal, is part of yeah. what the appeal of basketball is um, as a sport, and one of the ways that it's, it's different from hockey and football and even baseball and soccer in that you have this opportunity to be really close to the players, and they're not wearing anything that obscures them, so you can see their face. So you get to like have this kind of unfettered access to the player you can see what you can see the pain on their face if they miss the shot or the the elation on their face if they make the shot and you see the, the them I don't know interacting with one another in a way that that there really isn't an, another sport quite like that and that's I think that, that contributes to some of its sort of broad appeal.
4: Yeah, absolutely. I mean that's I'm the same with gabe that I, I need that sort of more personal detail to get hooked into the narrative of a basketball game and I'm not convinced that I know what a pick and roll is and it's been like a <laughs> decade. So I'm always yeah. Joseph will just like tap me and be like pick and roll and I'm like I don't know what that means. <laughs> <laughs>
1: I wanted to actually start with a summary of the movies, partly because I anticipate that many of our audience will not have seen these movies maybe at all or recently. Or um, not
4: in 20 years. <laughs> or, yeah, exactly.
1: Um, and th- this is not a, 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 neither of these are movies where spoilers are a serious issue. So, but it might just be helpful in our discussion to know broadly what happens. Okay, so Space Jam, the plot of Space Jam is this The Looney Tunes are captured by this guy named Mr. Swackhammer, who's played by Danny DeVito, and his minions, the Nerdlucks. And they're trying to bring them back to a comedy attraction at this theme park, Moron Mountain. So, well, obviously they are the bad guys. Okay, Uh, the Toons uh, convince the Nerdlucks somehow that they have to win a game of basketball before they can capture them. And so the NerdLucks decide, because they're very short, they decide, okay, well, we'll steal the powers of the best NBA players. So they go and steal their power, like Barkley and um, who else is that? Ewing and um, that tall German guy who we thought (laughs) that was Detlef Schramm. That is not. (laughs) (laughs) Um, (laughs) Sean Bradley, man. Bradley, yeah. And so... um, Okay, so they steal the powers, and then they're they're basically threatening that the tune they're gonna beat the tunes, and the toons decide to capture Michael Jordan, who's golfing and currently in retirement playing baseball, and they convince him to help him, and they win the game uh in the end by Jordan harnessing his tune powers uh to extend his arm into a giant, uh, massive arm and slam the ball. <laughs> okay, then he returns the stolen powers and he uh and conv- and he's convinced to return resume his basketball career so tie into reality jordan becomes a basketball player again space jam kazam starring Shaq. all right max is a 12 year old boy he's being raised by a single mom he's bullied at school but he also seems to like engineering he's built like some sort of contrap, but series of contraptions on a roof of some building um And his mom is planning to remarry, but Max rejects his new adoptive father and instead is seeking to find his biological dad. He's pursued by some bullies at one point, and he stumbles upon Kazam, a genie played by Shaq, in an abandoned lamp factory, and Kazam grants him three wishes. So Max tries to forge a relationship with his biological father... But this is complicated by a desire to impress the bullies. And so he ends up helping these bullies steal a cassette tape from his dad that contains a bootleg recording of Debrat, the band, <laughs> that his father is planning to sell illegally. Uh, with the father's life threatened, Max wishes for the cassette to save his father, tries to get it back via a wish. But then this tips off the evil nightclub owner Malik... Uh, who realizes that Kazam is a, is a genie and he cap- tries to capture Kazam and use his powers for evil. In the end, Malik kills Max, but Kazam's love for Max is able to resurrect him and set Kazam free. Okay, so these, <laughs> that's a very strange plot summary. When yeah. I was writing that, I was like, this is a c- weird movie. Um and um, but the first thing I think we want to talk about is uh, so our first experiences with either of these two movies. Um, so uh, do, when did you first see Space Jam I, or, or Kazam, Vishal?
3: Um, so this is really interesting. So Space Jam, I saw I was a freshman in high school, right? Basketball obsessed. So I was going to go see it. You know, Michael Jordan was back. Um, so I, I, I saw it in high school with uh, a bunch of my friends. And, um, yeah, you know, we were like everybody else, just Michael Jordan obsessed. If you like yeah. basketball, I, even if you didn't like basketball, everybody was, re- you know, really in the mid nineties knew who Michael Jordan was, right? probably the most famous athlete in the world. Right. Despite basketball, not being like soccer or something was played all over the world. Everyone knew who Michael Jordan was. Right. Um, yeah, saw it there. And remember, I think distinctly just really, really liking that soundtrack. Right? <laughs> just sort of like that was the thing everyone was talking about—the soundtrack and 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 his new shoes. Because I think his the new Jordans were were in the movie at the time, uh, right? So um, people were like, "Oh, those are the new ones. That's what it's going to look like." And you know, <clears throat> Jordans to a to a certain person in sort of my situation at that time, Jordans were like the iconic symbol of like. Like you had made it right, like like Welcome to America. You have Michael Jordan shoes, right? It was like <laughs> a very like sort of thing, right? Like it was it was it was you know a status symbol at school. It was like mm. how you were going to be a cool kid, you know. Did um, you have a pair? All of that. So, uh, did, wait, did, you talk, did, did you have a pair saw, of Jordans? Oh, sorry. Did you have a pair of Jordans? Yes. Mm. Yes, I um, my dad wouldn't buy them for me, so this is like was a whole thing. I wouldn't, he wouldn't buy the the Jordans for me, so I kept score for two summers at beer league softball. And so I, I watched <laughs> middle-aged men drink copious amounts of beer as they played softball. And I would call the balls <laughs> and strikes for these middle-aged men drinking, you know, like one of those things where they had like, you know, the, the beer can was set up at second base, so you had to like chug a beer before you went around. Come on, and, really? Like, like, yeah, just sort of like all, all kinds of, you know, shenanigans, which, you know, pretty crazy, and I think I was, you know, I was like 14 or something at the time, you know, 13, just watching these, and then, like, you, they yell at you, you know, like come on up, that's not a strike. Yeah, and, you know, yeah. Just, all kinds of just like, just in hindsight, no one would ever let any child work that, that job now, right? It just was a very unusual job but i spent two summers there and and you know i would scrape it didn't pay very well but i'd scrape together money and the money i bought was just like spent 250 on a pair of shoes that were just Jesus. like precious to me right like i wouldn't even wear them every day it was like yeah. is today gonna be a jordan day i don't know
4: right? <laughs> sort of, wow
3: you know and like we had the, like the cologne right which the jordan you, cologne was, yeah jordan cologne and Hassan Minaj very famously sends this up in one of his comedic acts where he's sort of like, you know, six sprays one for each championship, right? So, you know, just like not too much. You know, he's like very moderate amount, but yeah, it was that was that was the thing, right? That was the thing. It's like I would I've spent like all of my economic resources on buying his shoes in cologne. Oh my god. It was just like very much trying to attain like Status in the world,
1: yeah, through Michael Jordan. Wow, I
4: didn't know he had a cologne. Pretty, I can, I'm trying to yeah. imagine what it would smell like.
1: Yeah, do you, can you describe the smell? You <laughs> that's that's a very hard it's thing to do. Now. Gosh,
3: yeah, very. Um, well, let's just put it this way: six sprays of anything is not going to smell great.
4: Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> so
3: at, at, that, at that volume, probably not a very like good, you know, like like no one. No one was taking you to prom because of the six sprays. I mean, in fact, you probably lost a couple of prom, d- prom dates. <laughs> yeah. Was no, it, was, it was bad, but it was like, yeah, like mid 90s Vishal was like, like, was like, this is the way. This <laughs> yeah. Well, I, um, I think
4: every I think yeah. the culture was telling you that, you know, <clears throat> you, you had your finger on the pulse. No, totally. I was in third grade. So for me, the Space Jam thing was a lot more about the tunes. <laughs>
1: <laughs> than about Michael Jordan. But you were Michael. You were like, you knew who he was. And you were excited. Yeah, no, I him.
4: knew who he was. I didn't live under a rock. So I knew who he was. But my parents <laughs> didn't watch basketball. I didn't watch basketball. So I just like knew of him the way you know of any celebrity because he wasn't an international celebrity. Mm. But like warner brothers looney tunes was like having a moment they harnessed this movie to like really let their you know have their star rise because right like early 90s like the disney and mid through the mid 90s disney was really like running the table for cartoons and i was all about like disney princesses and stuff but all of a sudden in third grade it was like you have to have the oversized tweety bird shirt that was like what it was about. <laughs> so that was like my cultural capital <laughs> as <Yeah>. a child. <laughs> was the Tweety Bird shirts.
1: Did you also have like stuffed Looney Tune characters?
4: I I may have had a Tweety Bird. It was all about the Tweety Bird, which now watching it, Tweety Bird's like one of the most annoying ones. I don't know what that's all about. But yeah, he's just he's like he's a cute
1: object for Sylvester to pursue, right? <laughs> I
4: don't know. I don't know. (laughs) That was
1: cute. uh, Unlike both of you, I think this movie, I was aware of it, but I think it just was not. I just didn't care about it, I think. Like I saw it. I think I saw it in theaters and I remember the Warner Brothers store and I remember being like, yeah, that movie was fine. And yeah. And I didn't care really about basketball at the time, although I knew who Michael Jordan was. And I was, I think, probably, you know, I remember playing kind of basketball with a like driveway basketball sort of thing and pretending to be Michael Jordan and, you know, putting the hoop down low enough so that you could sort of kind of slam. And but yeah, it was not a you know, at the time I was playing hockey. And so it was I was more, you know, it would have been Gretzky would have been my guy and, and various other more obscure hockey players were were on my radar. And I think at the time, actually, you know, the movie that really was you know, would have been the one I would rallied around would have been like Mighty Ducks. Um oh, not yeah. the same Classic. year, but but Classic. you know, but yeah, but that was kind of what was in my wheelhouse. And so uh yeah, but uh yeah, and then I I had never seen Kazam before until two days ago.
4: Yeah, yeah.
3: So so same thing. I, I watched Kazam this morning. <laughs> I had never seen it. I, I'd heard about it, I knew about it, never had seen it. Watched it this morning. I was like, "Wow, yeah, this this thing sort of like it totally passed me by."
1: It's a movie that exists, and uh <laughs> yeah,
4: yeah. But it's just it's also. St- I mean, why did I not know it existed? Because you'd well, think in third grade, like I should have been of uh, the three of us, maybe the one that saw Kazam. But I
1: you were the youngest. Yeah, I yeah, did
4: yeah, not yeah. know it was, it was a thing.
3: Wick- Wikipedia has this interesting fact that I would love to fact check because maybe I don't know if it's true or not. But people <laughs> say that. The reason people haven't seen Kazam is they think the movie is Shazam, which is about a movie about Sinbad, you know, the old rapper Sinbad being a genie. But yeah, no such film exists, and and it's just like this like cultural mystery that like everyone unpacks all the time. So I'd, I'd love to know if that was true. Or I not. think I
1: that think is it. true actually, because I it's myself, a Mandela effect. yeah, it's a Mandela yeah. thing. I think be- mm-hmm. partly the reason I partly think it's true is I saw that as well. College Humor made a yep. sketch starring Sinbad where they made fun of this. Uh, and I think that it really that has to, that's some evidence that there's really something there. I think myself, I also got these confused. And I also thought Kazam was Shazam and did star Sinbad. So I do feel like this was in the in the air. And and even as we were talking about it, we're like, oh, we're gonna do our Space Jam and Shazam episode. Yeah. <laughs> we say yeah. it over and over again. Yeah. Yeah. yeah.
4: But like to be clear there isn't a genie, with with Sinbad? Because no. I could have sworn.
3: There's there was. no there's no, no exactly. <laughs> there isn't. It's that's the thing I thought. I was like, oh yeah, there's two movies and you get them messed up. No, there actually is not another yeah. movie. Yeah,
4: it's it was it's not mess. like a Bug's Life Ants situation. I don't, you know, like no. that classic no. thing where two Holly puts out two movies on the same I have the a hypothesis every, though, which is
1: that Sinbad is a name of someone who you think should be in a genie movie because totally. it's like Sinbad is like buccaneer <laughs> pirate. Guy yeah, okay, whatever, okay, right? I, yeah, yeah. yeah. See, Sinbad in the adventures on this high sea. And so you know, I, you feel like he might encounter a genie, and then you're like, yeah. this guy has the same name as that guy. So putting yeah. it all together. One question I have, which maybe we just talk about this right now, which is okay, why was Space Jam a phenomenon? And Kazam, the only thing people remember about Kazam is that it was, That's it, not starts, it starts so it bad, <laughs> <Yeah>. and it's <laughs> named Shazam. Exactly. So why is that? I mean, what, I mean, are they, because, because my, just to put my cards on the table, I'm going to try to make the case that Kazam is better.
3: <laughs> so, so, 100%. Yeah. 100%. Maybe, I don't know. I don't want to step on this if we're like trying to get to final analysis or anything. Yeah. Right. But but really, short of it, Space Jam did not hold up for me. It did yeah. not hold up in any way for me. Yeah. And Kazam was like, maybe I was coming from the like, the, the, so I, I rewatched Space Jam last night to just sort of get refreshed on it. And I watched Kazan this morning. I was like, I was like, you know, Kazan? You no, know, not great, but like, you know, yeah. in that vein of Goonies, you know, some like yeah. early 90s kind of stuff, you know, there's a kid, he's got some like adventure, there's a little bit of like ET in there, you know, like sort of like all kinds of stuff. I was like, not not bad. And I was like, wow, like, I don't <laughs> even remember this movie. Like, I don't even like remember like anything about it. And Spatium, with like I had the opposite feeling. I was like, yeah. oh gosh, yeah, this this just didn't like, yeah, I was just
1: a different person back then. I think that's right. I think that exactly happened to me, too.
4: Well, yeah, but I think you had, had, well, we were watching Space Jam the night Mm -hmm. of the election right we like we <laughs> we needed to not think about anything serious and so maybe we were looking for some like some you know light-hearted fun yeah. but i think we were having a good time i was Whereas having we a really good time. cringing more during kazan that's right i think space jam is a slicker yep. smoother movie that goes down easy and then it's like cotton candy like you eat a lot of it and you're like this is fun and then you think about it for two seconds and you're like what was that movie about or yeah. like that was some yeah. like bullshit but yeah. And Kazam has so many moments that are, like, really – And, you know, anytime you got, like, a an enormous man in pointy shoes rapping with a 12-year-old, like, it's it's <laughs> tough. It's tough to pull it off and it'd be cool. And also there's some just rampant racism yeah. happening in Kazam. Yeah. That's yeah. a little hard oh to handle. Oh so, oh like, there's, there's more cringeworthy stuff, but there's also so much more heart in Kazam. Yeah.
2: My name is Kazam, I got the whole plan So listen to the man, cause I'm a Sultan of Sam <laughs> Is that it? Is that the whole deal? You wanna be a hit? You better get real I did have this friend in the 1000 BC We discover a bevy of bathing beauties Her very looks to me and I says to he Why don't we jump in that old Euphrates? So that's the whole story, that's all you gotta tell? You got to listen to my rap from bell to bell Those babies had rabies and we was in Hades Cause we moved with the harem of the Prince of Arcade <laughs> So it's you and her in a thousand BC ah! Buried to our necks in sand like a sea By assaulting with the sword and a lock and a key Ooh, they're in indeed, will they ever get free? So it's me and her birth in a thousand BC praying to the gods And what do you see? Man with the halo and a nasty decree. I'll save your butt. But you gonna serve me. I not to her bird, he nods to me. And when the magic is over, we ain't men. We genes. Bob your head, Max. I mean,
1: the yeah. thing the thing I, I took away from Space Jam was Michael Jordan actually was, I thought, pretty solid as an actor. I thought he was very charismatic. He played <laughs> himself well, and I was Sort of that was part of the what you're talking about about it being really smooth everything about jordan's performance with i felt totally smooth like he's he's delivering these kind of goofy lines but he's he's going for it he's he's laying into it what's going on here
0: why michael i thought you'd never ask <laughs> You see, these aliens come from outer space and they want to make us slaves in their theme park. Eh, what do we care? They're little. So we challenge them to a basketball game. But then they show up and they ain't so little. They're huge! We need to beat these guys, because they're talking about slavery. They're gonna make us do stand-up comedy, the same jokes every night for all eternity. We're gonna be locked up like wild animals and then trotted out to perform for a bunch of low-brow, bug-eyed, fat-headed, humor-challenged aliens! Eh, uh, what I'm trying to say is... We need your
2: help! Yeah, but I'm a baseball player now.
0: Right. And I'm a
4: Shakespearean actor.
1: I feel like, you know, Shaq, by contrast, is fine. But, um, but you know, it's clunky. I mean, he's having to, to rap a lot of his dialogue and rhyme. And <laughs> yeah. that's... You know, hard. That would be hard enough for like. Oh my
4: god! I'm so glad he didn't rhyme that whole movie. I was really worried in the yeah. first scene when he shows up and he's rhyming. Yeah, like, and and then oh the supporting
1: no. the supporting cast, right? You've got like uh, the kid who who's a bit of a stinker, and you know he's he's kind of just running around yelling at everyone. And um, <laughs> the mom, I thought was great. Uh, she was good. The mom is good, and but but then in the supporting cast in Space Jam, you just have all these like great voice actors, so you <laughs> yeah. kind of win by default because you get all the voice actors coming in and just being these really well-known cartoons and it's just fine and funny and everything is very slickly packaged and it's very easy to watch. And I can imagine if you were yourself, Laura, for instance, if you're in the theater in third grade watching this, you just like, uh, you know, enjoying every moment of it because you're getting to watch Michael Jordan play basketball tunes. I mean, what else can you No, That was, it
4: was perfection plus like a dope, Space Jam song That was just On repeat in my house Much to my parents <laughs> Wait which Space Jam? The, 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 like the theme song The
1: theme song Okay
0: Everybody get up It's time to slam now We got the real jam Going down Welcome to the Space Jam Space Here's your chance Do your dance At the Space Jam Alright Alright
3: I mean that 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 soundtrack is full of just straight bangers. Yeah, Yeah. all of those are just fire. Like just, (laughs) um, I mean, I guess there's some problematic stuff in there too, but um, yeah, it it feels like it feels like Space Jam was a movie that Michael Jordan got asked to make. Yeah, and it was a movie that you can make because it was great. He had already taken this break in his personal life to not play basketball right and so that ties into the story and you know so because otherwise I I don't even know how you get to that concept like why would anyone be like you know what we need we need Bugs Bunny and Michael like Bugs Bunny (laughs) is the person to pair with Michael Jordan like that is the co-star for Michael Jordan right yeah but it it felt like a a function of his life whereas Kazam felt like a function of Shaq saying I'm leaving the Orlando Magic I'm going to the Mm -hmm. Los Angeles Lakers and guess what you do when you go to LA you like monetize yourself in all these other sort of entertainment property ways right so it sort of Mm -hmm. felt like one was a push from the athlete and the other one felt like it might've been a pull from Hollywood to like bring Michael Jordan in with like some like co-star. I have no evidence to support this. Like I have no like sort of, it just was in my mind. I was just imagining that like Michael Jordan was like asked to come do this. Whereas like Shaq was like, I'm leaving Orlando. I'm trying to get to Los Angeles. And the reason you play for the Lakers is because it's the same reason like LeBron wants to play for the Lakers, right? Because they're sort of mogul aspirations beyond basketball,
0: right? Yeah.
4: Yeah. I had a little bit of an opposite like inclination when I when when I saw this movie again. I didn't remember how much biography there was in it, and I for had Space wondered I, for Space Jam, yeah. yeah. And I had well, Shaq yeah. is also a genie, a <laughs> right? 30, well, yes, genie, exactly. So. There was a lot of like old pictures of little baby Shaq in a tiny boombox. <laughs> 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 no, um, <laughs> but like you know, like the kid, the like the photos of of Michael Jordan that run through the credits, and like him telling his daddy wants to play yeah, the, intro- the very introduction, the whole movie, of the movie yeah. yeah but also like it, him really like by sort of p- poking fun at the fact that he had this ill rather ill-fated basket uh, or baseball side thing and then went back into basketball he's it's like it felt like it was like his attempt to like control the narrative of that yeah so I wondered it could totally be true that the net that like Warner Brothers the studio at the Hollywood pulled him in but once he was signed on I felt like he must have had some say in the script and the direction of the story because it felt like, it feels a little bit like a Michael Jordan vanity piece. Yeah.
1: I, yeah, oh, to, for sure. to add on to that, I mean, it definitely ties into the, what happened in reality, which is he was playing baseball and then he got captured by Looney Tunes and then he, no, but anyway, yeah, <laughs> yeah. he ended up playing basketball in the end. But then, but the other thing is that like, I was trying to figure out like what this movie, like what it, this movie is ultimately about. Because I couldn't quite figure it out. We left the movie and I just ended and I just thought, cool, that was fun. I don't feel like I understood what was going on in that movie or why any of that mattered. And I think that one of the things Jordan cares deeply about more than anything, and this was revealed in like, you know, common knowledge, I think, for some many years and revealed in The Last Dance very explicitly. (laughs) Yeah,
4: episode after after episode after episode.
1: (laughs) Is that Michael Jordan is someone who believes he could beat anyone at anything and he thinks that this is like the the solution to all life's problems in a way. So in the movie um the the point of the fundamental point of conflict comes in the halftime, right? That's like the the sort of the the moment when like all right, we're down and the looney tunes are like we're out, it's game over. And then but Jordan like rallies the troops in a way which you feel like seemed oddly or eerily reminiscent of some of the stories he told on The Last Dance of being in a locker room when he first got drafted by the Bulls at halftime. And the guys are like, yeah, we're going to get beat. Let's just start thinking about the party we're going to go to. And he's like, no, we can still get in this. Like he, it felt like straight out of The Last Dance to his team. I really
4: doubt that he ever said to the Bulls at any point, let's, let's just have fun.
1: <laughs> so yeah, yeah exactly well yeah but so but, so somebody wrote him that line but I was thinking that yeah. the rest of it is like we're not down where we could still get in this and yeah, I feel yeah. like that's that is like the lesson is like you're never you're never fully down until you're right until the game's over and you always got to fight yeah. to the end and then then what happens he goes out and they are re-energized and and they come back and have this big victory and I sort of feel like that is not enough for me but it feels like for Jordan he's like yeah that's enough like that's and that, I feel yeah. like, is because all, he sees the world that way. He sees the world as this massive competition. And, like, if you have enough willpower, you can just, like, defeat your enemies. And, you know, yeah. if you have enough self-belief, right? Because he also doubles down on the bet. He's like, you know what? I'll, I'll offer myself up uh, yeah. because yeah. I, I so believe in myself.
0: I think it will be, we should acquit a little bit it. Yeah.
2: Listen, I didn't get dragged down here just to get my butt whipped by a bunch of ugly <laughs> monsters. I ain't going out like that. We're letting them push us around. We gotta fight them back. We gotta take it to them. We gotta get right in their faces. And what do you say? Are you with me or not?
3: But that that point is exactly why I don't give Jordan credit for acting because I, I, I had similar th- I had mm. similar thoughts, but I was like, this is just Michael Jordan. This is just who he is. right? This is just he, exactly what you were thinking. So yeah. he, he could just be yelling at Horse Grant right now. Yeah. Like, it just doesn't <laughs> matter. Like I don't think he was acting, and I don't. I, yeah. I, I, he didn't have very much dialogue, right? Very yeah. little dialogue comparatively for the lead of a movie, right? So he had he had very little dialogue, and all of the dialogue was just things that Michael Jordan would say. So yeah. I sort of felt like they weren't asking much from him in terms of acting range. Whereas in Kazam, Shaq was asked to, to rap, to dance, to be funny, to have you know sort of like. You know, a sort of a fantasy, he had to interact with CGI just as much as Jordan did, right? He yeah. had to do these sort of fantastical things, but then he also had to have comedic timing. And, you know, he uh, introduces himself to a number of characters as these sort of like goofy mini characters, like when he's the tutor, right? <laughs> right. So like,
1: yeah. So, like, <laughs> yeah. Like, like,
3: like Shaq has to come at people a bunch of different ways in the movie, right? And it kind yeah. of feels like he did a, you know, a decent enough job, is it? Whereas Michael Jordan yeah. is largely more or less just being his being himself,
1: right? Yeah. I think so that's right. very, I think like, that's right. yeah. He does right.
4: have an so. ease on camera that, is clear that other not that isn't like a given when you go see Charles Barkley talk in front of a camera like you know what I mean any of the scenes of the other NBA players that have lost their mojo like you're like they they really make Michael Jordan look good yeah that's (laughs) that's
1: helpful um but I totally agree with you I think Shaq's being asked to do a lot more he's actually asked to have an emotional weight especially in that final sequence and you know, he's asked to have an arc in this movie, whereas Michael yeah. Jordan has no arc. Like, he's captured by the Looney Tunes, he wins the basketball game, and he gives the power back. Like, he's the same guy when he, you know, yeah. effectively the plot arc is supposed to be he's his love of basketball is, like, given back to him. But nowhere is that clear to me at all. Like, you know, it's...
3: Yeah, I I felt like if there was an arc in this movie, it was that Michael Jordan is the NBA. Like, how mm. like how symbolic is it that he's giving the power back? He's oh, like, you're nothing without me. While I was I like gone, that. you were all just a bunch of losers. Like, Charles Barkley is a Hall of Fame basketball player, right? Like, Hall yeah. of Fame power forward. But the movie very clearly just said that, you know, when Michael Jordan was not playing basketball, the NBA was not the NBA.
4: That's it. And he came
3: back, and he gave back, just as he gave them back the power in the movie, he came back to the NBA and said, like, I will now, like, resume. You know what I mean? Like It, it was so much, it was, to, to the point about... It being a vanity project, right? So it's yeah, absolutely, 100% a vanity project. But to me, it was so very much about the symbolic sort of feeling of the the corporate interest of the NBA, right? Sort of that right. there was no NBA without Michael Jordan, and this movie sort of just symbolically, like you, Charles Barkley, are only somebody in relation to me, in mm. relation to my greatness, right? Like you are you are nothing. Like if I'm not playing basketball, your powers might as well be gone because no one's gonna watch you play basketball. That's right? wow. Sort of a very, Wow. Yeah. Very like like. Ego, you know, like ego on another level, kind of thing, right? So.
2: Guys, we suck. Yeah, man, my grandmother played better than I
0: do. Well, at least you guys are still tall. I'm nothing now, just another short guy.
2: You got that right. It's the only thing you got right. Who's that? Oh, Who that? I don't know. Been getting your butts kicked, haven't you? Who's that? It's Mike.
0: That's Mike. Hey, man, what
2: you doing here? Don't be embarrassed. Just face it. You guys stink. Come on, Mike, lighten up. Yeah, lighten I know, you, man. And you want your games back, huh? What little games you had to begin with? Yeah, hard enough as it is, Mike. Come on, give us a break. I'm, you, man. I'm gonna regret this. Stan, give me the ball. Oh, oh, oh. Wow. oh. look at that. Look like something from Star Trek. Touch it. No way, Jose. Pat, you want your talent back? You don't have any other choice. Just touch it. I
0: don't know, man. Don't
2: touch that. Okay. You're going to walk around with a bad game for the rest of your career. Touch the ball. Careful.
1: No, that's really, I hadn't, I hadn't thought about that because I was trying to figure out what Michael Jordan's arc was and it plays as if Michael Jordan's arc is like he's falling back in love with basketball, but I can't figure out why that happens. But you're yeah. right that the arc is really the NBA. The arc is like yeah. the NBA, like in the down years when Michael Jordan's gone, and then it comes back with Michael Jordan and you get that try. The t- final scene is not them winning the Looney Tunes game. It's him playing basketball with the Bulls again. Um, yeah. That's really interesting. I, I really like that that read on this movie. And, and it really also... Because we were trying to figure out why the movie feels so hollow. And partly be, I think it's because it felt to me like a, just a cynical marketing ploy by on the behalf of Warner Brothers like to partner with Michael Jordan and sell more Air Jordans and more Looney Tunes products and that kind of thing because it didn't feel like there was any serious emotional weight underneath this but this adds another dimension which is like not only is it's like the the Looney Tunes are, are being marketed but like Jordan is like cementing his, I don't know, absolute power and status over the NBA here, Mm -hmm. and and sort of this is like a a thesis statement of his uh, influence, um, which is incredibly cynical in a way.
3: David Falk, his agent, is an executive producer on the film. So if you if you I I, didn't notice this the first time. I didn't know to notice it when I was a child, but when I read executive producers, it's David Falk, who's famously Mm -hmm. Michael Jordan's, you know, agent and manager for. A number of years so you could just see the orchestration right like i was already primed to see it when i saw the credits because I was like oh yeah david falk probably wanted him to come back and do this and then at the end i mean like you know he's i mean those are i mean charles barkley patrick ewing larry johnson sean bradley i mean sean bradley maybe not but mugsy right? iconic basketball players yeah. with great careers in their own right just relegated to like you know just Oh, oh, we need Michael to come back and give us our basketball powers, right? right? Because because I, <laughs> when he left basketball, we lost it too, right?
1: That's amazing. So, I wonder if those guys yeah. were aware of that sort of interpretation of the movie. It almost is, like, almost embarrassing to them. That, oh, it's like, insulting. Yeah, it's like, insulting. insulting that, like, he brings the ba- the ball back and it's, like, only then that they can resume their careers. Uh, like, he is the savior of, of NBA basketball. Um I mean, one would suspect that they were not aware of that because no, they, they were probably just focusing on the part where the
4: nerdlings or whatever they're called, nerdlocks, chose the best players of the NBA. Well, and they are yeah. the best yeah. players yeah. of the NBA yeah. only yeah. because Michael Jordan is yeah. playing baseball. But, but
1: let's but let's also <laughs> point this out that the best players of the NBA, fi- all five of them, cannot beat Michael Jordan. Exactly. <laughs> Exactly. Oh my God. That, that, I
3: mean, it's just such a—it's such an <laughs> ego trip, right? To to think about it. Yeah, I was—I was very like, if I was Charles Barkley, in hindsight, I was like, wow, this is really kind it's of
4: weird. Yeah.
3: Like you know, this is pretty insulting, right? That's, you know, I, we we should also talk about the monsters because that ends up being such a huge narrative in the NBA, particularly in this last sort of Warriors run, right? So the Warriors start out as 2015 lovable, mm. lovable upstarts that are going to you know challenge LeBron James, all of that by the by the third or fourth year right and i think this happens with every great basketball team somebody makes a shirt of them d- depicted as the monster oh, i didn't person. know
4: that okay so that makes the, sense
3: the, the, there's some really great imagery that that I'll, I'll send you guys after this where you can see the 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 warriors version of that there are other teams you know that have had versions of this but anytime a team gets to be really dominant people just make some caricature of them in the form of the monstars, and it becomes like a a thing in basketball culture i see right? mm-hmm. be because because like, it's bas- like nba reddit loves this right it,
1: but what is it because it's like a david and goliath sort of thing like they can only be toppled by like one great player or and because they, they're so stacked because because it in a way it, it like you would think like the way this movie plays it is it's like if you have the basketball savior then it doesn't matter how many monsters are on the other team like they're gonna lose um
0: Yeah.
3: You know, an interesting thing that I I learned about sports fandom that I I didn't think about is that people claim to want parody, right? Mm -hmm. People claim that they want tense rivalries and competition and stuff. But when you compare that, when you sort of juxtapose when ratings are the highest – They're traditionally the highest when there's a team that just sort of dominates for a five-year period, right? So, like, ratings go up. So, I think people like the rise and fall arc, right? So, I think they want a supremely dominant team. They want to root for that team as sort of an upstart and watch their rise. And then they want to root against them, right? And sort of, like, bring them down, right? All in the same – so, the same people at the beginning of the Warriors runs that were sort of like, the Warriors are so fun. What a fun team to watch. And, you know, I don't even watch the Warriors, but I like watching this team, blah, blah, blah. And the end of the Warriors run, which is, you know – oh, they just got the best players or the Monstars, what a bunch of villains, you know, things like that. But that corresponds to some of the highest ratings in the NBA. So people yeah. want parody, but the the golden age of the NBA was through two three-run seasons, right, depicted in the last Dance, right. where the, bull, the Bulls were dominant, right? So mm-hmm. I think sort of an interesting thing. I'm not sure people actually, you know, sort of what they verbalize is what they want, what they actually are tuned into. Are two
1: different I like things, that. Right? It's also, I think, that... Um it it simplifies the game. If you have only a couple people you have to pay attention to, like a couple personalities, you can lock into those. You can just lock into Warriors, you can lock into LeBron, you can lock into Jordan and you can just as a casual fan and just be like this is who I care about. I just going to bandwagon my way on top of these crew. Obviously for I think I think the serious fan wants parity because the serious fan is like look, I'm looking for um you know, I'm looking for good basketball to be played in the right way. And I don't want to just see a bunch of blowout games. I want to see competition and that sort of thing. But I think a lot of like casual fans, I think it's just, it makes it easy. It, it, I mean, imagine when, you know, when the West gets so stacked and it's like, you've got 13, I don't know, not 13, but you got 10 teams that are vying for all, in really serious competition for the playoff spots. It's almost like overwhelming. You yeah. keep track of so many things, you know, it's easier when you're just like, look, it's going to be the Warriors. It's going to be Cleveland. Let's just get yeah. to it and get this over with. <laughs>
3: yeah. We, we talked a lot about Michael Jordan being, you know, the sociopath,
1: the you know, sort of <laughs> yeah. the,
3: the competitive sociopath that he is, right? Sort of the things. And did you all watch The the Last Dance?
1: Yes. We did, sure did.
3: So the thing that struck me most about this Last Dance was how much I sympathized with Jordan at the end, how, how sort of I was very, and that you yep. know, my intention it was so, you know supposed to make me sympathize with him but but i, I really i really walked into that saying like, I'm just, like who cares like i'm watching i'm like hate watching this right yeah. i'm just like i'm here to like watch like all these years where i rooted against michael jordan and just could never like you know get there with a team that i was i was supporting um and then at the end it's like very very sympathetic right um is space jam just sort of an earlier iteration of that i couldn't tell yeah. are we supposed to feel bad about Michael Jordan, that he, he you know, poor Michael Jordan, you know, he has to play baseball and now he has to help these Looney Tunes and there's mm. these like Monstars that are against him. Like, do we do we feel bad <laughs> for Michael Jordan in, in Space Jam?
4: I felt a little bad for him when when uh, when he's playing baseball and everybody's like sucking up to him and it's like bumming him out. Like, I can't imagine that would be that would be weird when you get to a point of international celebrity, which like you feel like none of your interactions are authentic that probably would be kind of disorienting and yeah. frustrating yeah um yeah i think that was the part i empathized with him the most in this movie i did
1: not empathize with him at all in space jam <laughs> i i um <laughs> i yeah no i i thought he was fine he didn't yeah he got captured by cartoons i guess that sucks but um <laughs> But he willingly chose to play for them so but but on sympathy for him on the last dance. So I'm curious why you feel you did sympathize with him in the last dance I also did, but I'm just curious what you your why you felt sympathy for him
3: I, I think I think a narrative and, and, and people have this get so if you're a basketball fan you probably also have a really strong feeling about Christian Leitner right sort of a, a Duke basketball player. Who um very famously was one of the, I think he was the only college player on, on the dream team, right? So they're all sort of NBA superstars, and, and Christian Leitner gets it's um, made. And Christian Leitner is um if you're a Duke fan, you love Christian Leitner. If you're not, you hate Christian Leitner. There's a famous documentary um entitled I Hate Christian Leitner, right? It's just about <laughs> people's strong feelings and it's just like irrational feelings towards Christian Leitner. I have no reason to hate Christian Leitner. I despise the guy. Like he just, he just okay. can't do any, any right in my in my mind. Right. So that's the, the sort of narrative I had with Michael Jordan. And then it's sort of the first couple episodes in the, the last dance. That's where I was headed. I'm like, man, this guy's just like, see, it's all going to come out. All of his teammates thought he was a jerk. He's just a mm. maniac. Um, you know, there's just no humanity to him, but in the end, it feels like he genuinely wanted to just be the best and carry his teammates with him and wanted them to be their best. Right. Mm-hmm. Even if they're, even if their ceiling wasn't his ceiling, he wanted them to reach their ceiling. Right. And so, there's something about that, right? Making everyone around you better and sort of, mm. you know, letting people sort of achieve their their ceiling, right? And their potential. So there's something about that when you when you look at it that way. It's sort of, he's like this mystic sort of life coach who just I sort see. of, you know, mm-hmm. trains you through basketball, right? Something like that, I think would be the generous view of of who Michael Jordan was. That, and when he's moved to tears, you really get the sense that this mattered to him. It wasn't money. Yeah. It wasn't, you know, sort of like, losing mattered to Michael Jordan. It hurt him. And I think we can all empathize with just, maybe it's not basketball, but we can all empathize with, with pain of that sort, right. Yep. And of whether it's competitive or not, we've all probably had some form of competitive pain in our life and, you know, some sort of similar aspirational pain, right. And stuff. And to see someone who you just think is just invincible and has always been sort of the person, the yeah. player, the best person, the alpha person in the room to just see them sort of humbled by their own emotions. I think it's, I don't know.
1: I, I was empathetic. The feeling yeah. that I had, I think the, the sort of the feeling of sympathy, I think for me was driven primarily by pity, actually. And so I, the way I took what I took away from last dance was that Michael Jordan is a person who's absolutely consumed by his competitive drive to the extent that it's actually like eating away at him and destroying him as a human being. And that's, I think that's why he left and had to retire because he was completely he had been defeated by himself internally by all of the drive and the competition and the d- desire to crush his opponents and he just didn't have anything left to to give and i think that that there is something like i i see him as an addict ultimately mm-hmm. like he's both a gambling addict but he's also an addict for competition and for dominance and for excellence or whatever and all these things and i think that that um That sort of inability to control your own, I don't know, desire to crush your opponent (laughs) is I think just it's like it's as bad as sort of being unable to like control your own emotional responses to things. And I think like for that came out to me the strongest and I feel like when he um, at the very end and you see him alone. Right. He's, I mean, he's alone the whole show, but you see him alone in his mansion, just like framed by these, by, you know, outside of the patio or whatever of his mansion and with the glass doors. And I just thought of it as a glass prison. Like he's yeah. not escaped this and and he won't ever escape it because now he's just haunted by legacy stuff. And you've got LeBron coming up and chomping at his legacy and all this shit. And like, he can't do anything about it. And so he's just in the situation of like, I kind of made my case but now it's now it's out of my hands, but like, I desperately want to continue to crush my opponents and I can't do it. And I feel like there's this like resignation almost at the end where he's just like trying to come to terms with that. Um, But yeah, I felt a lot. I felt so, so much pity for him because I was just like, I, I, you know, on the one hand, it's amazing. He, he managed to achieve these great heights of skill and excellence. Um, but on the other hand, I think it it destroyed him in the process, and um, yeah. I yeah I wonder to what extent he, that path is a requirement. Like you're required in order to reach that level of dominance, you're required to sacrifice everything of yourself. And the scary thing is that it, Jordan did do that, so that is a path to excellence. But it I would hope it's not the only path to excellence. Or if if it is, then it's a choice. Between yeah. excellence and retaining some humanity, yeah,
3: I think Michael Jordan's life is a tragedy. I, I, I do, I, I do see it that way, and I think that's really hard to for anyone to to sort of recognize. But both for the points yeah. I think that you enumerated, Justin, but also, I mean, the the person he was closest to in his life that was his protector and sort yeah. of his yeah. guy was like brutally murdered in a carjacking, yeah. right? I don't know that it's fun to be Michael Jordan for all, all those reasons. That yeah. Uh, all of the sacrifice, everything that he did, the humanity that he gave up, was all in the service of these six championships, which are a numerical figure that by eventually will be eclipsed. Someone will win a seventh championship, right? Someone yeah. will match him and win six, or something will happen, right? And so, the achievement only lasts for as long as that record lasts. But those records will be broken. I mean, that, that's sort of the 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 arc of athletic progress is yeah. that that's those records are eventually it. broken, right? Yeah. So, I, I do think that it's yeah. I don't think it's that weird to say that Michael Jordan's life is a tragedy. Yeah. I, I
1: don't, yeah. It's a little bit like just to bring things back around. It's a little bit like meeting a genie, getting a wish and <laughs> saying, I <laughs> wish to be the best basketball player. And he's <laughs> like, sure, here you go. And then you have Michael Jordan's life and you wonder whether you were cursed. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. But yeah, I mean, I think way to bring it back. Just around. Just to bring it back around. Well, yeah. par- partly because I think so. Let's think about this from Shaq's perspective, because I think Shaq in, in a lot of respects is the antithesis of Michael Jordan. So he's someone who has fun. Yeah, he and, seems to be
4: enjoying his <laughs> yeah, life.
1: Yeah, yeah. he's <laughs> like a, a normal, well-adjusted human being. Yeah, he's a, yeah. He's a fun guy. He 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 uh, he wants to compete and win, but he also wants to have a life outside of basketball and friends outside of basketball. And he's a fun person to be around. And he has um, a sense
4: of humor about himself.
1: Yeah, <laughs> I mean, I, yeah, yeah.
4: And Shaq so in a fool,
1: Shaq and a fool. Yeah, and I think that so. It's interesting to me, though, that Shaq's movie, uh, Kazam, is actually the one that has a more emotional weight and resonance. It's actually dealing with an issue that I think is something that many people could recognize as a serious, you know, as something in their own lives. Like, namely, this, this issue of Max, the young kid who, who uh, has lost his father. He doesn't know where his father is. And now he has a new adoptive father and he doesn't like him. And he's got to try to find... I mean, really, ultimately, he has three father figures, right? He's got his his biological dad, who's kind of a loser. He's got his adoptive dad, who's a fireman, and a cool guy, as far as... I mean, we were talking about this earlier. Laura and I were like... That guy's cool. Travis he's a really seems nice kind guy. of great. He seems yeah. like
4: the most emotionally mature of everybody. And in then that he's movie.
1: got he's got Kazam, the genie, who's kind of like his best friend dad. And um, <laughs> the
4: giant man child. Yeah. yeah. His best friend yeah. dad.
1: Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, and he's just trying to find a way. He's just trying to like find his own path through this life. And he's being bullied. And um yeah, and then ultimately Max proves himself to be a good person. And he and what I liked about Kazam. Just in contrast to to Space Jam is that in both movies the the primary threat is I think the exploitation of talent. So it's Michael Jordan, a slash the Looney Tunes are being threatened with enslavement right at at, at Mountain, and in Shazam, in Jesus, <laughs> <laughs> in in Kazam the the primary like bad guy is a guy who's putting on a concert and then taking a bootleg copy of the concert and selling it against the artist's wishes so they're exploiting the labor of the and creative force of the artist uh and but in kazam so in space jam you're you're never given any like alternative i guess play basketball for the love of the game but it's not really clear but in in kazam the alternative is like look don't you don't have to like use other people like you don't have to use these wishes to get something you can actually use your power to do good like you can use your wishes to help people and i like kind of dig that this movie articulates this alternative as opposed to like you know just dominate your opponents it's like no 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 help your friends and family my argument for this is because well the the textual evidence is that max is given three wishes by by kazam and he he wishes for candy which is stupid but he's a kid And then he yeah. wishes for the cassette back <laughs> to help his dad. And then he wishes ultimately for his dad to have a second chance at life. Like he wants his dad. No,
4: it's so beautiful. He wants to
1: help his father yeah. um, ultimately. And, uh, and and he, and he has per- a lot of other wishes
3: that are um, in the, the category of ethereal, right? So right. That, I, I thought that was a really interesting distinction I hadn't seen in the genie concept before, right? Of sort of, oh, I can't give you anything ethereal because I think a lot of genie stories do allow you to like, you know, I want this person to fall in love with me or whatever it is, right? So there are sort of, but you know you know I think there's they in this mythology they have some dichotomy between genies and jinn's or whatever the right. the other thing was right that that you know and that's that's sort of part of Kazam's arc right is that he wants to do these ethereal things like fall yeah. in love and and be free but but Max asks for a lot of those ethereal things right I mean he ends up asking for some material things as well the candy yeah. the car that he couldn't get at the beginning or something like that but he he does ask for a lot of ethereal things whereas the the emotional stakes in Space Jam are that the worst thing that could happen to Michael Jordan is that he would have to sign autographs for fans, yes. and place <laughs> and play people that were unworthy in, in a <laughs> scenario that he lost. Like that was yeah. the emotional stakes, right? It's just like that, like that's it, Michael. Like you would have to yeah. actually talk to these people who adore you, and you have to play basketball <laughs> against them. You know what I mean? Like that. That's it. That was like that was hell. That was hell as yeah. described in Space Jam to Michael yeah. Jordan, right? in um, <laughs> you know, by Danny DeVito. You know, compared to, and so that just seems like, you know, and in Space Jam you're supposed to be like, oh my gosh, this is so bad, right? Whereas in Kazam, I mean, it's just sort of like the The scene in which he gives his dad the cassette tape, right? And he has that just emotional scene with his dad about, part of his, I'm a parent now, so it's just sort of very focused on anything that happens to children. but, But that scene to me sort of, the whole movie was kind of silly. I didn't really think anyone was a great actor, but like that moment when Max like actually cries and like breaks down and he's just like, I just want you to be a part of my life and like I don't know how to tell you that um that had like real weight right like that yeah. had like emotional stakes that were like yeah. met something right yeah there's nothing like that in space jam there's no nothing yeah really close. it's just it's just going to the theme park and you know playing people that are unworthy of you <laughs>
1: <laughs> i left kazam feeling like that movie was bad but then i thought thought about it more and i thought like but there were these moments of emotional resonance that yeah. one also the one with his mom when he uh i forget what what he's doing he's You
4: remember? Well, the one that worked that that hit me with the mom was when she when she has to apologize to him because he finds out that his dad actually is around. Right, She had told him she didn't know where he was. And then he finds the divorce paperwork, finds his dad and he's mad at her for 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 being dishonest with him. Um, And she kind of she like has to crouch down and be like, I fucked up. I didn't know what to do. You know, like I, he showed up and he's not a good guy and I didn't know what, you know, I wanted to protect you. And I but like, I also know you should have a relationship with your father. That's like, I've, I really, I mean, she didn't say all those things out loud, but that's what's running through my head at the time. Like how hard that stuff is to navigate and she's doing her best and she's messing up and like how hard that, that, that relationship is for the two of them when they only have each other, um, yeah, I and thought I, I thought I thought all the stuff with mom was really good,
1: and I also thought with his adoptive dad, um, the firefighter, uh, I I felt like his attempts to bring to sort of forge a relationship with Max, which were uh, rebuffed again and again, but his continual attempts to do that and the way that he did it, I thought were was very mature, very respectful to the boundaries that you know are in place, offering Max these opportunities and never sort of forcing it or being a a jerk about this he was just like look my your mom and i love each other and and i want to be a part of your life and you know and i think there's a tragedy in a way in that max is rejecting the father figure who could be a good dad to him and trying to pursue his biological dad who's actually doesn't want anything to do with him and in a way has to sort of like sacrifice himself to save his father um uh, because he does die. I mean, he he. That's another thing with this movie has real stakes. He Max does yeah. actually. He is killed in this movie. I know and,
4: it's wild when Shaq um, starts to like get all glittery, right? Because he's like his master is now being shifted. I was like, wait, does, does that mean Max is like legit dead yeah. somewhere? Yeah. Like, yeah, the,
1: yeah you're <laughs> that's not sure, crazy. but but yeah, he does <laughs> die because Shaq because uh, Kazam resurrects him at the end with his powers, yeah. right? With his love, so to speak, it resurrects him, and I. So there's such an actual emotional catharsis with this movie where the where there's you know, Max's sacrifice makes his dad kind of come to realize that Max loves him and desire. That is the second chance, in a way. Is it's his realization that Max sacrificed himself, is like, okay, now I'm gonna try to be a better person. And and I love that step one is like, I've gotta go repent for my crimes. He has to go yeah. to prison. Like, he's just hauled off to prison. Um, but he's like, I hope that we can find some relationship after this. And then, um, and then Max has this kind of reconciliation with his adoptive father. And and so that, that storyline is nicely tied up in that you get, you, you get the sense that, you know, he'll have a relationship with both guys. One guy is going to have to work at it. Um, the adoptive dad is going to be his father for the, for the foreseeable future. And, um, but he has a good relationship with his biological father. And I, I find that, I was just like, you know what? That's actually a really nice message at the end of this movie. Um, yeah. And yeah. And then, and then of course there's, there's also just adding onto the theme of, uh, you know, enslavement and exploitation. The genie uh, Kazam, is him, is himself um, enslaved. Like he, he talks about this. It, it was actually hard to get this because he's all doing it rhymes and stuff, but <laughs> <laughs> he he said he was cursed, right? Like three thousand yeah. years ago, he was cursed by some sorcerer or something to be in the lamp and and now have to grant wishes and so on. And his life is actually quite terrible in that regard. and And it is interesting that like it is its love somehow that like breaks that spell and allows him to be free and and pursue his own his actually have some free will and 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 so I find that that all I don't know. I, I thought the, the ending was was actually quite. I mean, it was super Maudlin and 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 Chintzy, but I but at least it had stakes. Yeah, at least it had stakes. No, I know,
4: and I liked. Um, you know, I guess his memo before was like he wants, in the very beginning he wants Max to to wish as fast as possible right because he just like wants to go back to sleep in his boon box he just likes like get this over with ask for your greedy stupid shit and then i'm gonna go back to sleep but because max doesn't do the wishes immediately he like starts living in the world and then he starts having fun in the world like he like discovers who he is (laughs) and he's just like a kid you know and he's just running around like enjoying enjoying life for well, the first time
1: I, I also think he actually has a real arc there because he begins to forge sort of relationships in the world but they are all these kind of one-sided exploitable relationships and that he becomes like a, a a superstar right he becomes a celebrity right among this group of people because he's rapping and stuff and he's, mm-hmm. he gets the adoration and in that process he forgets who his real friend is namely max right and he he doesn't help him and so on right and but then he realizes that he made that mistake because he doesn't immediately come to help Max. And that's why Max dies. And so then when he does come, like he he feels that guilt of like not being there for his friend. And then I think his arc ends up being in the end that he wants to become this person who has his priorities straight. Like he wants to actually forge a real relationship with that music producer lady. And he's maybe turned a corner and he's not just gonna be like a celebrity seeking rapper anymore i don't right.
4: know right but you can imagine all those that all that all that fun would go to your head in the very beginning oh, yeah, you of course stuck yeah, in a yeah, boom yeah. box for three thousand you know you haven't had a newbie and goat eyes in a really long time
1: <laughs> yeah, <Jesus>. yeah. do <laughs> we want to talk about that racist stuff or should we just oh my gosh just <laughs> yeah. move past that
4: i think we should move past yeah. it yeah. i don't want to get into it <laughs> it's it,
3: it is an interesting thing to think about it that they're both in both movies the star athlete, right? The most ostensibly powerful person in the movies, they're both shackled by service, right? In very different ways. Yeah. Right. And Michael Jordan is, is, is sort of, it's a service is like a trivial thing, right? It's just like, ah, oh, I'm just going to help these Looney tunes out and then I'm going to be, be back. But in, in Kazam, it's like millennia of service that he's been, you know, like, <laughs> yeah, like, he's like released into the real world. So it's funny. He goes from the fan, the fantasy world of like living inside of the lamp to the real world. And he sort of, you know, experiences tremendous growth. Michael Jordan needs to be taken out of the real world and brought into the fantasy world of the Looney Tunes mm-hmm. to to realize his growth, right? He needs to be taken into this otherworldly place to to rec- recognize that, and he has to like perform this act of service to to recognize that. But the thing that he re- that I think that the, the the key though here is that the thing that he recognizes is just so worthless, right? It's just so yeah. lightweight, right? Yeah. Whereas like in Kazam, you can say like you came out of the world and you you know you grappled all these ethereal things and you move forward. The thing that Michael Jordan recognizes, he's like yeah, I should play basketball because I'm the best. (laughs) Yeah,
1: (laughs) exactly. Yeah, if if there is any arc, that is his arc, right? And you're just like, God, what a, you know, like what a hollow thing.
3: I was also thinking. I'm I'm good at basketball. I'm really good at basketball. Yeah, but that's the the stakes of like this act of service, right? Whereas Kazam is sort of like, Gosh, like I'll give up all this like otherworldly power because I'll have this real human connection with this this woman that I might be interested in. Yeah. Right? So
4: well, you know, you and I talked about like if there was an if there if the if the other way around, like in '96, there was just like a particularly empty moment or something mm. because the other thing that this made me think of in terms of like movies without any substance but were just vehicles for for celebrity was the movie Spice World, which I'm imagining you have not seen, Vishal.
3: I have not seen
4: that no. no and and Justin hasn't seen it either, so I'm the only yeah. one who could speak to it, but it's bas- they tried to do it like it's like a hard day's night style like extended music video, but essentially they had almost no script and it was just like a bunch of nonsense for ninety minutes, but it had the spice girls and they just put zero effort into it. That's what's clear <laughs> now at the time. I loved it all bo- on board. Yeah. Like- <laughs> I feel there like, for I, it
3: i feel like that that review that you just gave or that sort of synopsis of spice world i think could all just apply to space jam it's an, yeah.
0: extended,
3: it's an instead of a music but it's an extended episode of looney tunes
0: yeah
3: for someone who just didn't try that hard right i don't think michael jordan's <laughs> trying all that hard in that movie um yeah and and it's just very it's like incoherent but at the time i was about it right at the time yeah I was like, man this is this is it. Michael Jordan is back,
4: right? It's happened to the zeitgeist. No, I knew what he was doing.
1: I mean, so speaking of the zeitgeist, so soundtrack, let's talk about the soundtrack, which obviously meant a lot to both of you. Didn't mean much to me. I was listening to it today and <laughs> it I was like, dope. oh, these songs are fun, but like they don't have any significance or resonance for me.
4: I mean, I don't know that it... I was a little young, maybe, for this kind of R and B stuff to to like have like emotional significance to me. But uh, it's a great soundtrack. It's dope. Oh yeah,
0: oh
3: yeah, uh, straight bangers, all of them. They're just really, really good. Um, this is also for me personally was like around the time that like I came to the social phenomenon of dancing with your friends. You know what uh, I mean? I was like, mm-hmm. I was a freshman in high school. Like, we were going to dances. It was like we were like we were gonna have like. Parties, right? People had house parties in high school that were, you know, just like their parents were upstairs and we were all downstairs. And this was like in the mix for things that were going to go on the, you know, I think now you would just famously like pull up Spotify or whatever, right? But like that was like, Back then, it's like oh man, you had the CD, the Space Jam CD, like yeah. the Quad City DJ songs got to come on right now, right?
0: Everybody get up! It's time to slam now. We got the real jam going down. Welcome to the Space Jam. Space jam. Here's your chance. Do your dance at the Space Jam. All right. All right. All right.
4: Oh my god, yeah. That song, the Quad City DJ song I listened to a lot. That was the yeah. big one. It was on the radio all the time too. And believe I believe I can play R. Kelly songs for sure. Yeah, I mean it's just like Coolio does multiples on multiple songs on this soundtrack, as does R. Kelly. Um. What so the monster? monsters album uh, anthem apparently had B Real, Buster Rhymes, Coolio, LL Cool J, and Method Man all on the like monsters anthem. Is
3: that the Hit Him High, Hit Him High, Hit Him Low? Yes, is that the one. Yes, yeah, it yeah, is. Yeah.
4: yeah,
2: yeah.
0: Take over the whole world is my goal With my unstoppable crew Taking no all control You can't get none of this We're running this Well, take a Earthshaker Three-point gun in this Get off the lane I'm coming through And if you don't wanna move I'm coming right through you It's like inch by inch And step by
3: step That video, I think, was on, like, MTV Jams, right? I mean, that thing would like, <laughs> show up on, like, MTV Late Night, right? It was a thing. <laughs> I mean this. I, I was trying to think about a soundtrack that had that many in in the moment famous artists sort of coming together to to do that right. And so, um, you know, however you feel about R. Kelly, right? Like he was really big at that time, right? Yeah. Like all of the all of the the people on that soundtrack were sort of really important at the time. I think. Black Panther might have been the latest iteration of that, right? Like Kendrick Lamar is on it. And, yeah. You know, he gets, he gets, you know, he handpicks all the artists. They're going to contribute tracks to the Black Panther right. soundtrack. I was trying to think or of like other Beyonce like Beyonce Lion
4: King. <laughs> <laughs> that one didn't really hit, but they tried with Beyonce Lion King. Yeah. So I had weirdly one of my first CDs that I bought at like as my own purchase was uh, was the Men in Black CD. Um, that had a ton of good R and B, but those were like, but they weren't, they were pre existing songs like genuine and stuff, but like, it wasn't like Coolio came on to write a song for men in black, of course, besides Will Smith writing the song men in black, but for the, besides that song, Mm. which isn't a good song, everything else was a lot better on that soundtrack. Um, yeah, it wasn't like, it wasn't like a sort of a cultural moment where like the artists wanted to do that kind of collaboration.
3: I think the difference might be that the Kendrick Lamar album has this sort of current of social justice running underneath it, right? Like black Panther is important. You know, it's it's a good movie. People enjoyed it, but it, you know, it was, it was, it was a, it was a movie for a moment. Right. And it was the movie Mm -hmm. that, you know, sort of a lot of people felt like needed to respond to the moment. Space jam is just to Justin's point. I mean, it's just pure merchandising plan, right? It's (laughs) pure sales and marketing. It's like, we're going to sell shoes. We're going to sell CDs. We're going to sell jerseys. Right. Um, Laura's uh, gonna buy
4: them all. <laughs> yeah, exactly. We're gonna
3: sell over, oversized tweety Tweety shirts, right? We're gonna sell all of it. Um
4: sign me up. Apparently they made mugs out of Jordan's Michael Jordan's head that are like a little disturbing. That's weird. I had oh I had oh a Tweety Berg mug. I just now remember that I had a Tweety Berg mug.
3: There's a there's a rumor that um the pickup games that happened on the set mm. of Space Jam were like legendary, right? So right. Like Michael Jordan forced everybody to play basketball with him during, during the like, you know, when they're like setting up the next shot. And this is like, no one has ever like really sort of, apparently there's videotape on it, but I don't know if people have like seen it. They might've shown a little bit of it in the last dance. Um, but people say there's actually longer footage of like, you know, Michael Jordan, like playing basketball with Charles Barkley and all these people when, when they came to set. And uh, and LeBron James apparently famously recreated that dynamic when he filmed Space Jam 2, he, like, invited a bunch of players over and, like, insisted that they play basketball while mm-hmm. they were while they were shooting the film. And, and we can get to that sort of LeBron's, like, need to emulate this. But but I, I also think it's just, like, isn't that kind of so method? Michael Jordan's like, look, this is a movie about me giving me, like, me being the best and giving you guys back your powers. Why don't we just go out? Why don't we just go out and just, like, whip your ass real quick so you just remember that I'm the best? And then we get back in and do these scenes, right? <laughs> it's like, He's it's like, I got to like, get in character. Yeah, he's like, I gotta get in character, and the only way I could do that is if I kick Charles Barkley's ass for fifteen minutes, right? like,
1: and make fun of him for not having his powers. <laughs> yeah. uh, I like that. Yeah, I like that. But let's talk about LeBron. Yeah, I mean, because I feel like Space Jam Two. I have no idea what it's about. I get, I didn't even know it was done filming, so it's 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 in the can. Like,
3: it's a, yeah, you know, like summer twenty twenty one. Who knows? Okay, like what that means anymore? So, right? so,
1: but like, yeah, I do feel like. Of course, LeBron is the one, if you're going to do Space Jam 2, he's the, he's the obvious person. There's no one else that could possibly do or want to even do Space Jam 2 uh, because you're filling the big, you know, these massive shoes and you're just going to invite such a, you know, a harsh criticism, I think, upon yourself for, you know, if you if you attempt to do this and it doesn't go well, even if it goes well, people are going to be like, you're encroaching on like the holy Holy Land or something. Um, and, uh, so I feel like it's a bold move, but LeBron's the only one who could do it. Um, is he now? Well, he who, though? okay. Well, tell me who you, who would, who so, would be seriously the thing. Isn't,
3: isn't Kobe Bryant the stronger template to Michael Jordan than LeBron? I agree. Like Kobe yes. with, with his just like insane competitiveness, his like desire to be the best, like, you know, being kind of a, you know, a little bit of a hard edged teammate. Right. Whereas. Yeah. My understanding of the rumor mill is LeBron, if he doesn't like you, he just sort of tells the coach that next year you're not getting a contract. And then he just, but he still takes you to the South of France with him. Like he's, you know, he's buddies with you and he's going to, he's going to do all that. And like LeBron has a much, you know, Kobe was narrowly focused on like, I'm just going to be the best basketball player. LeBron, you know, sort of started a school. He's running a, you know, a voting rights campaign. Like he's, you know, he wants to be more than an athlete, right? He has this sort of, you know, he he views himself through a wider lens. I think the more obvious analogy to me is Kobe Bryant. I always sort of wondered like, why did they do the movie with Kobe Bryant? Like why would he not just, he was, he was in, he was already in LA, right? He's always played for the Lakers. So he was in the town to make it. It just sort of felt like if anyone was going to do it, Kobe Bryant should have been in space jam
1: too. But,
4: yeah, Lyon. and he had aspirations for Hollywood too. Because he, he had like, didn't he win an Oscar?
1: Yeah, he did for <laughs> the animated, for the animated one. Um yeah. but I, I totally agree that the in terms of their on the court style and their persona, Kobe is the he's like the Jordan 2.0 like guy. I totally mm. agree with that. And LeBron is is mm. not at all. But I do feel like LeBron has reached a level of sort of fame and also in his chase of jordan uh in terms of who's the best of all time that kind of stuff he has just reached a level that Tran- even is bigger than kobe and i think that that is why i think it makes sense that if you're gonna like, who's the most famous basketball player in the world i mean unfortunately kobe is not with us so it's but like yeah i think even even up until a couple of years ago it was lebron and not yeah. not kobe yeah. and i think that 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 is I think Kobe I think even in the height of Kobe uh like in terms of how powerful and you know marketable he was I think LeBron got higher. And I yeah. I so I feel like that's why it makes sense that it's LeBron even though you're right that LeBron is nothing like Michael Jordan.
3: Yeah. Yeah.
1: They're like opposites in in like in that respect and so in their court presence and who they are as human beings and everything. So I think like yeah, but I, I I also feel like that is contributes to I think LeBron's likability and and broad appeal. He has that kind of ability to like Jordan in this respect, um, to leave the basketball court, give a an interview with someone, and be articulate and um, and charismatic and and so on. And I think it took Kobe a, a while to get to that point. I think Kobe for a long time. Uh, was much more abrasive and more like a bad boy and that sort of, and I think LeBron just kind of came in. It it really did feel like he was fully formed in terms of his charismatic, outward-facing self from 18.
4: But he also, Um, like, wants that role. Yeah, he wants that role. Because that was the part (laughs) of the last dance that that I found tragic. I mean, I I totally agree with you, Justin, as him being an addict for winning and, and how it was eating him up inside and also how, like, that it's it's like futile because eventually somebody will surpass you that's like how it all goes um but the thing that i found tragic about his life too is that i can't remember if it was him or dennis Raman that made this comment about like you get into this because you want to play basketball not because you want all the other stuff oftentimes like you might want riches but you don't want like cameras in your face all the time you don't want like to be asked about every political question you don't want to be held have your feet held to the fire over you know whether or not you're going to come out one way or another in an election in north carolina Mm -hmm. like that's not what he wanted and he never wanted to be like he just wants to play basketball and win and murder everybody uh Basketball wise, basketball, basketball wise. Um, But, you know, like, because that part when his dad dies and then there's all this narrative about like whether or not his gambling had something to do with it and all this horrible stuff like that seemed like to be the really dark side of celebrity. But even when things were good, I got the feeling like more Michael Jordan didn't want like 98 percent of that crap. Like he was happy to sell shoes and make money with his endorsements. But He didn't want to be the face of the NBA in the way that LeBron is. He didn't
1: want to use the celebrity as a platform for further further means, whereas LeBron clearly has taken on that mantle.
3: So so why does LeBron feel like he has to lean into it, right? Because I feel like a lot of his his, – the way he talks about his career, doing Space Jam 2, right? All of these things are sort of chasing the ghosts of Michael Jordan, right? So I almost feel like why not lean hard the other way and just say – no, I am I'm, I'm this different person. I, I arrive at this moment in a completely different trajectory. And and I, you know, I always sort of am very curious as to why he feels like he he needs to, right? And so it sort of feels like uh whatever happens in the future, and, and maybe this is where Michael Jordan finds salvation, right? Is that the specter of Michael Jordan will always be there, right? Yeah. So sort of the people, you know, the people have to, you know, we don't naturally are not emulating him or you know, are not naturally like him feel like they have to emulate him because he's just set the bar and it doesn't matter if somebody wins more championships or anything, but like the ghost of Michael Jordan will always be in the conversation for basketball. You'll always be in his shadow. His his, uh, maybe that's his moment. Maybe that's the pinnacle for him. Right.
1: I like that thought because I think you're absolutely right that LeBron probably should have pivoted sooner away from jordan and all this jordan talk and he's stuck now and and now it's like oh you know if he wins another ring is he gonna overtake jordan and everyone's like putting him in their rankings and they're like jordan one lebron two or three or whatever right and all that stuff and lebron should just try to shift that dialogue away and just be like all this comparison to jordan i'm lebron james like let's like let's focus on me and my accomplishments right now and Who cares about these comparative things? Like, but he hasn't done that. And you're right. All his actions and words have, you know, amounted to, like, him in a way, like, accepting the challenge of, like, trying to live up to Jordan. Whereas maybe he should have just not done that. He should have said, I reject the terms. I'm going to... Yeah, I think he should be like, I don't care how many championships
3: I went. I got the vote out in Georgia. I mean, just, like... Or I won my game.
1: (laughs) Yeah, I just... Or, like, you know, like, I... I have attained these various uh, other ach- basketball achievements, right? Like, like yeah. there are lots of ways to measure the achievement of a player. And like, I feel comfortable with what I've done as a player. And I you know, I, my game lives on the court or whatever, as yeah. opposed to, or he's, like, he's
3: played in like nine out of the 10 last finals, right? Like LeBron has gone to like three different teams, played in the finals famously for like eight years. I and mean, people just don't do the things that LeBron does. Right. So, yeah. so there's, there's sort of other terms, but he, he just doesn't, he doesn't, he always feels yeah. the need to, to do that, which if we take it back to Kazam, I think that's a little bit, what's refreshing about Kazam is I don't think Shaq is trying to do that at all. That's true. Yeah. Right. Right. Like he's, he's not trying to do that. And and I looked it up, I think did Kazam come out in July 96 and then came out in November 96. Right. So it's okay. So Kazam came out first, right. That was the, 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 you know, in a more traditional blockbuster season too. Right. Sort of, I guess Thanksgiving is a big movie weekend, but, but you know, July is a huge, huge movie month. Right. Um, and, and Shaq famously doesn't do any of that, right? Like, Kazam is not, like, you don't make Kazam, like, like he's not even the star of Kazam, right? Like, yeah. ostensibly, right? Like, he yeah. is, but he's not, you know, he's not really the focus of the he's story. He's not the right?
1: main character. He's not the protagonist.
3: Yeah. yeah.
1: Um. Yeah, I actually, Shaq, so here's a quote from Shaq about why he did the movie, because, you know, you might wonder, like, <laughs> why are you in this genie movie, which is, basically, if you look on the paper, your page, you're going to think, it's going to be pretty embarrassing. Like, why would you choose to do this? So here's what Shaq said. He said, I was a medium level juvenile delinquent from Newark who always dreamed about doing a movie. Someone said, hey, here's $7 million. Come and do this genie movie. What am I going to say? No. So I did it. <laughs> oh, I love go. Shaq. So, there you go. I mean, I think that I think that that plays exactly into this, where, where Shaq's career is you know, there's missteps and there are all these like, yeah, he did some movies and some of them are kind of goofy and whatever. And LeBron's career by contrast is like, there are definitely like missteps, but for the, I mean, the decision everyone hates on the decision, but, but I think by and large, it's like, it's, he's very particular about how he wants to curate every element of it and like how he sees it shaping his legacy. And you're right that like Shaq is just like, yeah, I'm just doing this movie. It's going to be fun.
3: Yeah. <laughs> I, I think I think Shaq is unburdened with the – to the extent there are skill positions and non-skill positions in basketball, I think there is there is something to say about Shaq's off-the-court presence based on who he is on the court. So on the court, everyone famously is sort of like Shaq's not an athlete. He's just a big guy that can dunk on people, right? Like he's not an athlete. He doesn't have skill. He can't shoot free throws. Like four feet away from the basket, he's just a total disaster. He's not even a good basketball player, right? And so, so there's something almost like liberating about that, right, is that he's sort of – Shaq arrived at his, like, basketball dominance through just, like, pure, like, you know, sort of, like, I'm just bigger and more yeah. stronger than anyone, right, and, and I'm just going to be able to dunk over you, whereas, you know, Michael Jordan was a jump shooter, and he's, you know, could you know was very reliable and, was, you know, was clutch and just was, you know, a technician, you know, sort of a connoisseur of the game, and so no one ever thought Shaq was going to be the next Jordan, right, no one ever did, like, it, like Shaq, yeah, no one ever yeah, thought he was yeah. the template for Jordan, no ever thought, you know, like, the, yeah. the narrative on Shaq is he's a big guy that can dunk right and so he kind of like gets liberated by that right he can just be free and do movies like kazam and he made a video game called Shaq Fu that was just terrible right and you know it was like a fighting game like a, mo- a mortal Kombat knockoff game that was had Shaq in it right so it's sort oh of you can do all that because you're not living in this like ghost of michael jordan
1: yeah term, right that's yeah. also why
3: i think he didn't get along with kobe i think yeah we yeah. didn't get along because kobe's like no 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 this is what i'm trying to be you're just sort of this like Big lug on the side, right?
1: And sort of. Yeah. Uh so next week we are doing fuck, is it Fargo? Yeah. Not next. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah oh yeah, yeah. yeah, you're right. Next, okay. So the next episode is Fargo, where we're gonna have our friend Molly come back on. So that'll be super fun. Um you can reach us at at Cowspod on Twitter. We're also cowspod.wordpress.com online. Uh, and, you know, download us at any of the usual podcast sites, leave a review, rate, tell your friends. <laughs> this is the embarrassing plea to to pass on the podcast to all your friends and family. And uh, and we'll see you next time. I believe I can fly.
0: <laughs> Bye, guys. Bye. I used to think that I could not go on. And life was nothing but an awful song But now I know the meaning of true love I'm leaning on the everlasting arms If I can see it, then I can do